today, Father. We thank you that you're alive in our midst. Jesus, we thank you you don't dwell in buildings, Lord, you dwell in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, that you're alive in our hearts, that you're alive in our spirit today. Jesus, we honor you. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us over this year and over the course of our lives. Father, we thank you that it's not by chance that we're here together gathered together today. Even, the, even those that are here for the first time, it is not by chance that you have brought us here to this place to meet with you, to encounter you. So Lord, we open up our hearts to, to receive from you. We open up our spirits to encounter you face to face, oh Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us. You are with us today, Father. No matter what we walk through, no matter what we walk up against, that you, Lord, are with us today. We honour your presence. In Jesus' name, Lord God's people said. Amen. All right, why do you again offer somebody? Thanks, guys. I do want to extend a very warm welcome to you this morning and uh, want to first of all welcome the church family here. Great that you would make the effort to be here this morning and uh, I know that today you're going to be extremely blessed. Uh, I want to acknowledge also those that have come from other churches. I hear Havelock's greatest pastor is here. And more than that, where's Cliff? Where's Cliff? Did I see you, Cliff? Cliff and Sherry. Cliff and Nova, here we are. Why don't you stand up? Great to have you guys here. Cliff and Sherry, Cliff, Sherry and Nova. Great to have you guys. Pastors of Redemption Point in Havelock, just great people, great ministers, built a great church in Havelock and part of Hastings. And great to have our family here with us this morning. So we honor you today. And Dad, did you bring your accordion? No, not today. Not today. No. Oh, oh. I don't know what you guys did for Christmas, but we all got together at mum and dad's house and, and Pastor Mike got his accordion out. Luckily, we didn't have it here this morning. <laughs> but maybe next week. <laughs> My dad is the master of the bird dance. And uh, so it's just great to have all the family around celebrating and uh, it's just, just a great time just to come together. And uh, of course, I want to acknowledge those also that are watching online, got friends and family from around New Zealand and around the world watching today. And so today I want to extend a warm welcome to you. Great to have you join us, Bryce. Uh, you just messaged me telling me you're watching. So great to have you join us and pray God's blessing over your life. Hey, well, what a crazy year, huh? Last Sunday of 2020. <laughs> Crazy, and uh, I was just—I was wondering what, I was just waiting on the Lord of what to what to bring today, and uh, and uh, I was just thinking about just listening to what people were saying uh, over this uh, as this year started to draw to a close, and um, one of the things we see is people are wanting change, and uh, it's often the time this part of the year where people are considering their life, considering making a change in their life, especially after the year that we've had. I mean, who wants to go and have another repeat of this year that we just had? No. No, people want to change. People are looking for change. And maybe you're here today because you are looking for change. And, uh, and even when New Year's come around, just prior to New Year's, people are often looking for change. People are looking to change their world. They're not satisfied with where they are. They want things to shift. Maybe it's uh, in your just 
maybe you're not even sure what you need to change, what needs shifting, but you just know that something needs to change. Many people are like that. Uh, for some people, you're acutely aware of what needs to change. You, maybe it's in your marriage. You, you don't want to repeat the history of, of what you walked through, but you want to change. You want something new. You want something fresh in your personal life. You want something fresh in your marriage. You want something fresh in your finances. You want something fresh. Who's believing for something fresh this morning? Maybe it could be any part of your life. And uh, one of the things that we've seen, uh, uh, like even just listening to people, uh, they don't want to go back to 2020. <laughs> Interesting, some people are saying, I wish we could just completely forget this year. And, uh, but actually, God had a plan the whole way through. And uh, it just even the thought of having another year like we've just had causes many people to shudder, not just because of COVID, but because of many other challenges that have come along its way as well. And so just because we've had, uh, obviously, COVID come into the uh, rear its ugly head, it's also br brought with it a whole bunch of new challenges. And um, one of the things uh, I've just been considering on is this, the significance of what has happened over this year should not be underestimated. We are living, certainly living in changing times. There are, uh, the changes that have happened over the course of this year are exceptionally profound. It'll change a lot of things. It'll change the way people live. It'll change the way I get emails all the time, looking at how, how the way churches have been affected, looking at how business has been affected, looking at how families' lives. You look at even not, nothing to do with just COVID, but you look at even morality, what has happened in, in the political sector, what's happening in the morality sector. You look at everywhere, you'll see that there's changes happening. The, the, the amount of not just one change that COVID has brought, but the other changes along that has taken place as well is exceptionally significant significant changes, and I don't think for many of us we absolutely fully grasp the depth and the, and the magnitude of what has changed. Yet in the midst of all this, you and I, the Church of God, you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you and I are called still to be the head and not the tail. You and I are not called to be the victims of, 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 of uh, tragedies in the world. In fact, there's no such Jewish word for the word tragedy. There's no tra It had to be taken from the Greek. So one of the things that we can understand in our faith, there's no such thing as tragedy. There are things, there are opportunities that come our way. And you may be here today, you may be looking for change. I certainly am looking for change. But here, one of the big questions is how do we get that change? And... Uh, uh, like I said, I've heard many people say, I don't want another year like that again. Maybe it's because of the COVID or personal challenges people have faced. But one of the things I was thinking about was this. It's been a year of crisis on many different levels. Crisis of many different levels. I don't know about you, but there's not many people that I have met this year that have not faced a crisis of one degree or another. The world has faced a crisis. The whole, world, the whole globe has faced a crisis. Na nations have faced crisis. You've, people's, I mean, I've buried a lot of people this year. People, families have faced crisis. Marriages have faced crisis. People have faced challenges this year, not just on one front, but on many different fronts. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like that. But maybe you're okay, or, or <laughs> I'm happy for you. Uh, here's uh, another, another phrase that I've heard uh, pop up. Uh, I don't want to go back there again. But at the same time, I'm also challenged by what's in front of me. So one of the things that, you can, that we can see in, and for many people is, one, they don't want to go back to what they've just come from. Yeah? No one here wants to go back into lockdown. No one wants to go back into 
wondering what's going to happen with my job. No one wants to go back into wondering what's going to happen with my marriage, with my kids, or this. No one wants to go back in, in, into trying to work out what's going to happen with my health, or, or this, what's going to happen with my... Nobody wants to go back there. But on the other side, a lot of people also are apprehensive about the future. How is the world going to change? Is my job going to remain safe? What's going to happen with my health? What's going to happen with my loved ones? What's going to happen in the future? So for many people, they live in a place of, it's almost like transition or crisis, not quite sure, certainly don't want to go back there again. But on the same token, also aware that there's many challenges that are on the front, that are on the forefront that I've got to face. How many people know what I'm talking about this morning? And so... This is really one uh, I want to bring it out this morning is that this creates enormous opportunity for leadership. When anything has been destabilized, what it is, it creates opportunity for influence. I'll say that again. You and I, we can look at the world and think, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But in times of crisis, in times of destabilization, when anything is destabilized, it is, right for, it is right for influence. So if somewhere your world has been shaken in some way, whether it's, the, whether it's our nation, whether it's our community, whether it's your own personal life, one of the things, the way that you can, you, you can look at it two ways, we can look at it and say, oh my God, what am I gonna do? <laughs> or you can look at it with the eyes of faith, with the, with, with, with the, with the truth, of we are the head and not the tail. You can look at it in that perspective and say, what opportunities now has God put in front of me? To what space that I can start to influence? How can I grow and influence? How can I grow? How can I become a leader? And this is one of the things I want to open up this morning is about the forging of a leader. Because in times of crisis, that's where leaders are born. Leadership is not just standing up here on the stage or or you know, preaching, that's one, one aspect of it. But leadership is something completely different. I'm believing that God is calling us to arise as leaders in this coming year. In the first place, leading your own internal life, leading your family, leading the, 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 the dimensions of influence that God has placed around you. Even in our community, God is still calling us to become a leader. And, uh, but leaders are forged. And right now, there's great opportunity for leadership, great opportunity for influence. So one of the things, people are looking for change. And, uh, but I can tell you this morning, the greatest place we have power to change is in our own heart. The greatest place where we have power to change is in our own heart. And for many people, we look at external things and try and change the world around us. We're not satisfied with the world around us. We're not satisfied with a job. We're not satisfied with a church. We're not satisfied with this. We're not satisfied with where we're, not satisfied with my marriage, not satisfied, not satisfied with my circumstances, not upset by what people are doing. The question is this, you can either, uh, you can either look at the circumstances and try and change your world by changing what's happening around you, or you can change what's going on inside of your heart. And when you change what goes on inside of your heart, when you change the way that your heart believes, when you change the way that your heart uh, resonates, when you change the beliefs, when you, when you start to get healing, when you start to get a transformation inside of your heart, you'll find it'll change the way that you see your circumstances. It'll start to change the way that you'll see the church. It'll start to change the way that you'll see what you are going through. It'll start to change the way that you are seeing the world around you. So for two people, you can see the same thing. One will see... Uh, a whole pile of challenges, another person will see opportunities for growth. The question is, which one are we going to be? 
We can look at the world around us and think, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Or you can look at it and say, I know in my heart that my God is able to lead me. I put my faith and my trust in my Lord. I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray and believe that his word will come and transform my heart and help me to see my circumstances through the eyes of faith. You can see, you can, oh, come on, that's a whole different, that's a whole different sermon. So one of the things we want to look at is we want to look at um, one of the fathers of our faith and how he became a great leader. One of the fathers of our faith is Jacob. There were this Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they were, they were all quite unique, but there was something about Jacob. Jacob became Israel, which ultimately identifies our, uh, the birthplace of our, of our faith. But Abraham began the journey. Isaac continued it. But there was something about Jacob that caused him to be the one the nation of Israel was named after. So what... What does that mean for us today now? What does it, I mean, it's all very well and good that it's in the, in, in the Bible thousands of years ago, but how does it change my life? How can the story of J- Jacob change my life today? For some of you maybe here for the first time or maybe unfamiliar with uh, how to open up the Bible, I kind of want to just show you a little bit this morning. One of the things we can see is this, is Jacob's life started as one who tried to get ahead by manipulating either the people or the circumstances around his life. Jacob, in that sense, was no different from any other people. He was trying to get ahead. People here today still wanted to get ahead. But yet his, the way that he was trying to bring change, the way that he was trying to get ahead in his life was he tried to manipulate the people around him. He tried to, you see him, tried, he, he cheated his brother out of the blessing. He he. he he deceived his father. He, he cheated his brother. He was, everything that he was doing, he was trying to use the circumstances around him and trying to manipulate what was going on around him in order that he could get forward. You can still see that same thing everywhere today. People still trying to control their outcome. People still trying to change their environment in order to get change on the inside. But there was a, one of the things we see about Jacob's life was this. There are two distinct encounters that he had with the Lord that transformed him into a father of faith. There are two distinct encounters that he had that transformed him into a, into a, into a, from a cheat, from a, from, from a manipulator, and to somebody who's, who's become one of the greatest leaders ever to walk on the face of the earth. The fact is that the nation of Israel was named after him. It was his change in his life. It was an encounter with the Lord that transformed his life to become the man that is now known as Israel. And it's interesting one of the, and so people, you, you, you can look for motivational speakers to change your life. You can go to courses to change your life. You can go try anything in your life. You can try and even attend church to change your life. However, there is one thing that you really need that, that will really bring the transformation, and that is an encounter with Jesus Christ. One of the things that you'll say with, with Jacob was this. It was two distinct encounters. Neither of them were in church. Neither of them were in church. Neither of them were in this this amazing place. But there was two distinct encounters that changed his life. And I believe this, that you and I can have the very similar encounters that Jacob had in his life that can also bring a similar transformation. By all means, go to your course. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ that can change your heart. 
You can get a whole pile of behavior modification and things like that. Stop doing this, stop doing that, start doing this, write these lists, start doing this. But at the end of the day, one of the things, the main things that will really bring the transformation is a changed heart. And the only person that can really do that is Jesus Christ. Interesting, these two distinct encounters. One of the, thing, one of the things I observed about them was this. They happened in what was called a liminal space. Now, liminal space is... Um, the word liminal simply means this. It's, it, means, uh, it means the threshold. It means it's in a, a transformative space. It's in a, a liminal space. Is a, neither a, it's not a space of its own, but it's a space between here and here. It's a space between its beginning and a destination. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a corridor between one classroom and another classroom. It's kind of like a an elevator where you're going from one floor to another floor. It's in the space of transition. It's in a space when you're shifting from one part of life into another part of life. And it's interesting that both of Jacob's encounters happened in a place of transition. He was in the middle of a journey. He was in a, he was in a liminal space. And in fact, many people today were in a similar position where we've come from uh, one part of our life, we're on a journey, uh, even at this moment, people are on holiday. It's kind of a transition space between 2020 and 2021. So for many people, they're in a transitional space. People find that you find yourself in this space many times in your life. But it was in the space of, of, of a lineal space where Jacob had an encounter with the Lord, two encounters with the Lord. And uh, it, was, it was, it's interesting when you look at where Jacob was, he was in a crisis. He was at risk in both directions. In other words, he couldn't go back to where he came from. He couldn't go back. Also in front of him, wasn't looking roses either. He had, the Bible says in, uh, in Genesis, chapter, in Genesis chapter, chapter 28, it says now, Jacob left Bathsheba. He left his home and went to another land. So he was right in the middle of, of a transition place between one point and another point. So for people here today, you may also be in this transition place. Wherever you are in life, maybe it's an age, maybe it's in a, a season of life, wherever it could be, people are always facing a places of transition. And it's interesting where these places are often places of vulnerability. Process of change where we can't go back that way. But neither looking forward, I'm not quite sure what even I'm walking into. So for many people, much of the world is like that today. No one wants to go back to COVID, but if people were really honest, they can have wishful thinking about what 21 is going to bring, but at the end of the day, no one's really sure. No one's really sure about what next year is going to bring. No one's really sure about how the finances, financial system is going to work. No one's really sure who's going to come into power and who's not going to come into power. No one's really sure what currency is going to, no one's really sure what the economy is going to do. No one's really sure what's going to happen. Much of the world is like that. For some people here today, maybe it's a physical sickness. You don't want to go back into the place of pain, but you're really not quite sure how your body's going to start to react in the next coming year. Maybe it's in your marriage. You, you certainly don't want to go back to how it used to be, but even the coming years, you're not even quite sure how it's going to work out. It's what you call a liminal space, a space between where you have been or where your origin is and, a and the space of your destination. It's the space between the past and the future. It's also a vulnerable space. So for many people today, maybe you're in a place of vulnerability. 
maybe you're here because you're not quite sure what needs to change. You just need, you just know something needs to change. You with me this morning? So these points of vulnerability that he counted God and found the courage to continue. One of the things that we're experiencing, I believe, is not just a physical change, but a spiritual change. And one of the things that you'll find is when you start to make internal decisions in your life, when you start to make spiritual changes in your life, when you start to make the decision that you're not gonna walk this particular journey anymore, but you're gonna take a step of faith, spiritual changes are often much harder, far more difficult, and far more distressing than things like financial changes. In fact, people in the, in the, in, in the, in the, in the scriptures often wanted to die when they were walking through spiritual change because it's often that stressful over people's life. But it's interesting, this. I came across this uh, saying the other day. It's a question, actually. Is it greatness that leads to moments of despair or moments of despair that lead to greatness? Is it moments of greatness that lead to despair or is it moments of despair that lead to greatness? When Jacob left his home, he had left, the Amplified Version says, he had never to see his mummy ever again. So here he is in the middle of the desert by himself, put his head down to sleep. The time came to rest. And all of a sudden he had an encounter with the Lord. He couldn't have been much more vulnerable than he was at that space. In the middle of the desert, no bed, just a, a rock for a pillow. Vulnerable. Despair, running away from that, but not sure what he was running into. That kind of space brings a lot of people into despair. You can't go back, and you're not quite sure about what's, what's in front of you. How many people know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So the question is this, I come back. Is it moments of greatness that bring us into despair, or is it moments like this that can bring us into greatness? As we can see from Jacob's life, it was the low point of his life, it was the moment of despair that catapulted them, what was the catalyst for having an encounter with the Lord, but brought him into a place of greatness. I wanna encourage you today, if you're here today and you are in despair of one degree or another, in other words, if you're, if you're stuck in a crisis somewhere, you're not quite sure if you wanna, you don't wanna go back, but you're not quite sure what's in front of you. All you know is things that you need to, things need to change and you're not even quite sure what needs to change. I wanna encourage you today, it's at this point right now, this point of vulnerability, that can be the greatest point in your life. This hour where our nation is in many degrees, in many respects are, is vulnerable. When the world is vulnerable, it is this moment where leaders can be born. It is this moment where sons and daughters of God can arise on the face of this earth or we can stay asleep, still worrying about what tomorrow is gonna bring. Today is an hour where I believe that leaders, a new generation of leaders, doesn't matter about age or anything like that, it's just a new generation of leaders will emerge on the face of the earth. In the midst of crisis, in the midst of despair, God starts to encounter people. So if you're here today and you're in a place of vulnerability, you're in a place of crisis. Don't let that crisis overwhelm you. Come to a place, there's a, there's a place that you can come to and encounter the Lord. It says, the Bible says, and Jacob, he left home 
And he came to a certain place and stayed overnight because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones, he put his head under and lay down and went to sleep. And it goes on to talk about how he had an encounter of the Lord. He started to see a, a gate, he started to see a, a door open into the heavens and a, and a, and a ladder come forth. And, and he had an encounter. He discovered this. He discovered that the presence of God is not confined to a building, is not confined to relics, but he discovered that the presence of God is something real, that he, the presence of God lives within inside of him, that he can access the presence, the very throne of God. Regardless of his background, regardless of his past, understand this, he had just been, he was on the run from his brother, he cheated his brother. You may not have cheated your brother, but you may have done other things that it caused you to get on the run. And at that point, God did not stay away from him. It was at that point, God came close and revealed himself to him. In the place of vulnerability, alone, by himself, in the middle of the desert, wherever you are, if it can happen to Jacob, it can happen to you as well. At some point, interesting, he left home. One of the first things that we, in our journey with the Lord, we, we, we encounter the Lord for a real. For Jacob, he, he heard about God, but this time, this time was different. So for people here, you may have been raised in a church, you know, may know about God, but never really encountered his presence, never really got the understanding of the revelation that he's not somebody that just lives in old buildings and sings in old hymn books and stuff like that. Heck no. No way, no, no, he lives in our heart. He lives in your heart. He made a decision to step out of heaven, make his home in our hearts. He wants to make his home in your heart, regardless of what you have done, regardless of how far you've, uh, whether you've cheated your brother or not. But at some point, we all got to leave home. At some sense, we become homeless. We leave behind the way life was. We move out of familiar ways and places that once housed our lives. I'm not gonna get into this at this point, but at some point, you've got to step out of what you've been used to. You've gotta step out of your comfort zone. You've gotta just step out and make a difference. You've just gotta make a step of faith. And sometimes you can find yourself alone in that space. I know that there are people here today, you have made a decision to step out what has become familiar to you. You've made a decision to step out and you may even be in a crowd, feel alone and think, what the heck is this place? What am I doing here? I can't go back, but I'm not even sure about going forward either. I'm not going to go back to old religious ways, but I'm not quite sure about this church either. I'm not quite sure. Either. Pretty loud, you know. <laughs> I want to tell you, in this place of vulnerability, you can, you can encounter the Lord. Second moment was this. In Genesis chapter 32, when, ja when many, many people here would know the story, when Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord, two encounters, both of these encounters, both he's alone, both he's vulnerable, both he's got nowhere to run. And sometimes God has got to get you into that place. Interesting, just before, I wanna give you some context. The very reason he was on the run in the first place, because some of the bad choices he made, he had, cheated his brother Esau, he had cheated his father, he was on the run and, and, tried, and he was on the journey to forge a life for himself. And it was this point in his life, about 22 years after, down the track, down the track there was a reconciliation, or there was a, there was a meeting again with Esau. And word came to him actually that his past was about to catch up with him. The very brother that he cheated was about to catch up with him. So this is the basic context before he wrestled with the Lord. 
Esau is on his way to meet him. He, he sent messages out. Find out what my brother's doing. Find out what's going on. Messages came back and said, oh, yeah, he's on his way. And he's got 400 soldiers with him. And he wants to talk with you. 400. And so here Jacob is in a place where in the desert, at least he's by himself. At least there's no necessary threats around. This time it's much different. This time it's a heck of a lot different. This time he's got four, he, he knows he's cheated his brother. I don't know about you, if, if you've ever wronged your brother or beat your brother up and next thing you know they've grown up, now they're a lot stronger than you. Make a manhandle you. This is, he, he's upset, he is nervous, he is afraid. The Bible says, interesting, it says this, you can read it through in Genesis chapter 32. But when he gets this word that his angry brother is coming with 400 soldiers to have a conversation with him, obviously the first question is gonna be like, why can't he just come by himself? <laughs> he starts reading into what's going on. Why, why does he need the 400? Why can't he just come by himself? We'll just take with him. If he's coming with 400 people, I can only guess what his intention's gonna be. And so he starts to get himself into a panic. He starts to do a whole bunch of things. And interesting, when people start to face with the situation where they can't go back and when they can't go forward, you gotta understand the situation that Jacob's just found himself in. There is no running this time. At least in the desert, you could run around in circles and run away and there's no one else to run after you. This time, there's no running. And sometimes God gotta get you to a point. One, where you encounter the Lord by yourself. Two, sometimes he gets you into a place where you cannot run anymore. How many people know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he can't just, this time he's got a family, this time he's got, he's got a few stock, he's got a few possessions. And they move slower than the, the guys on the horses, 400 on the horses. This time there was nowhere else to run. He gets into a hive of activity. One of the things he starts to pray, oh God, just, I don't know what, just, God, just make him happy. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when you're faced with crisis, sometimes it's hard to even know what to pray. But Jacob started to pray into the faithfulness of the Lord. So one of the good things you can do, start to do, is to, is to start to pray. But one of the things he also starts to do, is starts to divide his family up, starts to separate his lives and start to separate his, his livestock, starts to separate his family into different groups. This, another thing he did was start, got messages to send out gifts in order to, the Bible says, to appease his brother. And that's what a lot of people do when they, faint, when they come into a place of crisis, when they come into a place of change, they try and do things in order to make other people happy. It's not gonna work. He's still coming. <laughs> People, when they come into a place of crisis, can start to do a whole pile of things, start to get into a world of flurry, start to make these changes, start to, make this, start to separate out their lives, start to make changes in relationships, start to and they pray, God, take all the bad things away. God, I pray that you take. People do all sorts. Maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you're in a place where there's nowhere else to run. Jacob cannot buy his way out this time. He's stuck. In front of him is Esau. Behind him is his past. He's remembering the lies, the deception, the stolen blessing, 
It's nighttime. Interesting, it comes down this. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 22, but he got up that same night and took his two wives and his two female servants, his 11 children, and waded over to the, over to the ford of Jabok. So at the middle of the night, after he's done all that he can do, he's standing by the river. The Bible says that the, 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 the stream is called the Jabok. Standing there in the middle of the night, sends his, sends his wives and children and across the, across the river. Next thing you know, one more time, he's standing there by himself alone. And often this is the place where many of us need to get to. There's no more running, no more hiding. Your pastor's about to catch up to you. And it looks intimidating. You can't go this way, you can't go back, you can't run, there's nowhere you can run to. And often that's a very, very lonely place. Sometimes even going to church doesn't make, even make it happy. Everything you do, you go to a counseling course, go to this, go to that. You've still got a crisis in front of you. One of the things I want to I want to bring to you today, at the end of the day, every one of us has got to come to this point where we stand beside this brook and we're alone. The Bible says that he was there alone at night time. No wives, no children, nothing. He was there at night wondering what the next day was gonna bring. Crisis. Many of us can get to that point. Can't go forward, can't go back, can't run. Standing by the river in the dark by yourself. And it's in these moments here, I don't know about you, but if it was me, I'd be incredibly worried. I'll be feeling exceptionally vulnerable. Can't protect myself, can't protect my family, can't protect. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing, there's no pill that I can't take to fit, take away this pain. I go to all the doctors, I go to the courses, I go to all these things, I go to the healing, I go to the get deliverance, I get prayed for, I come up in the altar call, get a prayer for this to make this go away and make all the bad monsters go away and, and go for this course and, and go and see this person and get counsel from that person and get to this person, get the counsel from that person and go to this course again. Next time, a third time through the course, and I'm still facing the same things. I know what I'm talking about. I've been there before. But it gets to a point where you've done all that you can do, and you're still alone at night. I've been there. I've, sta I've stayed out on my porch at nighttime, crying. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. Can't go back, not quite sure about going forward either. Interesting, one of the things, just to help you unpack the Bible, one of the things when you read the scripture, if, you just, if, if this is all new to you, one of, the things we, one of the things I do is just look at the, look at the meaning of the word jabot. So when I started to read the meaning of it, the word means to empty yourself, or he empties. And sometimes you have to get, in fact, the second encounter he has was immediately after he stood, while he was standing at the, at the edge of this brook. Nowhere to run, by himself. Run out of courses to go to. <laughs> run out of prayers. Had every man of woman of God pray for him. 
It's still in this place. You've got to come to a place where you've got to empty yourself out. You've got to empty yourself out of ego. You've got to empty yourself out of ambition. You've got to empty yourself out of pride. You've got to empty yourself out of trying to save yourself. You've got to just empty yourself out. You've got to come to a point where there's nothing else I can do. I can't save myself. The things that happened in the second encounter was his identity. And the Bible says he was, he was there in this place by the brook. And all of a sudden, this certain man turned out and started to wrestle him all night. Many of us have got to go through that. The result of this, his identity shifted. And up to this point, his main issue in his life was identity. He was always trying to be somebody that he wasn't. He was trying to copy his brother, trying to be like his brother. This is one of the main things that many people struggle with in the world today. You can see it happening in the schools. A battle over identity. Are you male or a female or one of the 65 genders in between? <laughs> people, there's a struggle for identity today. Even in the church, people are looking to be somebody, trying to copy, trying to mimic somebody. You look at what goes up on Facebook. People are trying to copy, trying to create an impression of a world that actually is not real for them. All your photos that you put up on Instagram, the reality is in your heart, you're lonely and you're broken. Pastors do it, put all these pictures up thinking, look how cool I am looking in front of hundreds of thousands of people. But actually in the end of the day, they're wrestling inside of their heart. Maybe you're here today. Things look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're alone standing by the brook. Can't go forward and can't go back. It's at that point there. Out of the darkness walks a man that starts to wrestle with you for a while. For some people, maybe for many people here, your wrestling was being, it's about your identity, who you are. Like I said the other Sunday, the, one of the most strong, the, the, the strongest person is the person that knows who they are and what they are. And especially if, you've got, if people have got an identity crisis, don't know who they are, trying to search for themselves, trying to be somebody that they're not. But when you know who you are in Christ, your whole world changes. So this particular man, his identity shifted. His heart is transformed. Interesting what happens is this. His courage and strength fills his heart. He stops running and has to face the very issue that he's been running from from his whole life. One of the things I want to encourage you today is if you come and you are, maybe you're in a place of crisis, maybe you're in a place of a liminal space between here and here. Maybe you're in a place where you, you're not quite sure what's in front of you. One thing you can do is this. You can come before the Lord and empty yourself out. You can come before the Lord. So Jacob, the Bible says, had a face-to-face -face encounter with the Lord. It says here that after the wrestling, in verse 30, so Jacob named the place Peniel, the face of God, saying, for I have seen God face-to-face, Yet my life has not been snatched away. 
I saw God face to face. I had an encounter. Now my life has changed. But I had to get to a point where I poured myself out. There was nothing left in me. There was no other courses that I could go to. There was no other prayers that could be prayed for me. There was nothing else I could do. I had to get to a point where I had to stop running from the very thing that I had been running from my whole life. And I had to get up and face it the next day. It was the encounter with God that transformed his heart. It was the encounter with God that filled his heart with courage to come out of that stark place again and face his angry brother who he thought was angry with 400 men. And he discovered, actually his brother wasn't there to kill him. He discovered that. Brother gave him a big hug. Interesting, one of the first things that happened, one of the first fruits of a changed heart or an encounter with the Lord is reconciliation between brothers. <laughs> People can tell that they've encountered the Lord. I've had, I was talking with somebody a little while ago, told me how they encountered the Lord, but actually they were still speaking arrogantly. They still thought they were up here. They still thought they were the man. I believe this, according to Scripture, that one of the evidences of a changed heart is this, that gives you courage to face your challenges. You become strong in your identity. You can face the very things that you've been running from and avoiding. Reconciliation happens from a changed heart. That's evidence of a changed heart. You may be here today, maybe looking for change. Maybe you're running. Maybe it's time to stop running. Maybe you're in a place where you're not quite sure which way you can go. It's in that point. Here's one key you can do. One key. Just take some time to rest. When the sun went down, Jacob, first encounter, put his head down to rest. Sometimes you've just got to stop running, come before the Lord. Take time to rest. Take time to meet with God. Take time to empty yourself out and become vulnerable before the Lord. It's one of the things I've had to do and sometimes, in fact, I have to do it quite a few times. I get to a point where I don't know what to do. I'm not going back. I'm not quite sure about the future either. But I've got to come to a point where, Lord, I know that you're with me. I pour out my ambitions. I pour out my dreams to you. I pour out my agendas. I pour out my pain. I pour out my pride. I pour out everything that I try and put up to protect myself. I pour it it out to you, Lord. Lord, I ask you to come and touch me. Can you imagine what would happen if every one of us got to that point, stopped running from the things that we've been running from our whole life, come before the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender all. You come into a new year of of the next few days, we could... We can take some time to, one, to rest. Stop running around, stop trying to twist God's arm for this, that, and the other thing. Stop trying to, just take some time to rest. Take some time to pour yourself out before the Lord. Take some time to seek the Lord's face. Take some time to allow Him to come and to change your heart.
you may be wrestling with some issues, wrestle them out. <laughs> Go all night if you have to. But pour yourself out before the Lord. The other side of that is you'll come out a new person, a new man, a new woman. You won't be the same anymore. It was at that point where Jacob became a leader. It was that point where Jacob stood up. The moment he stopped running, counted the Lord, that was the moment he became Israel. Why don't you just close your eyes? We're just gonna worship just for a little bit. After his first encounter, that's what Jacob said. How awesome is this place? This place is none other than the gate of heaven. This place was the place of his heart. It wasn't a physical place, it was the place of his heart. Your heart is awesome, your heart is to host the presence of God. The second encounter, he said the same thing. I've seen God face to face. It can never be the same again. Let's just sing this this morning and I'd invite you today to open up your heart. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you've got to let some things go. Let's worship Him this morning.
thank you today for every heart and life in this house. Those that are watching online, I pray, Holy Spirit, that your presence would come, touch every heart and every life here this morning. For those that are facing crisis, for those that are stuck between here and there, I pray, Lord, over this season, your wonderful presence would come and visit them. I pray, Lord, for those that have been running, running from their past, running from failure, running from mistakes. Pray, Holy Spirit, that your presence would come, even right now, and strengthen your people. Pray, Lord, that over the season, that every person, every family here would encounter you in a fresh way. We invite your ministry, Holy Spirit, into our hearts. That you come and bring healing, that you bring transformation. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and bring change into us. Holy Spirit, bring to our awareness the very things that we've been running from. Holy Spirit, give us the courage today to face what we need to face. Lord, as we stand on the river, Lord, we make a decision to pour out our hearts to you. Lord, we let go of agenda, we let go of ambition, we let go of the failures, just we empty ourselves out before you, O oh Lord. Lord, we invite your presence to come and minister every, every family here today, every family that's watching online. Thank you, Lord, for your hand of protection. Thank you for your blessing over us. Thank you for your promises of blessing. Thank you that your promises of greatness. Lord, for those that are sitting in despair, for those that are sitting in uncertainty, pray, Lord, that right now their greatness would arise in their heart, their faith would arise, their courage would arise in Jesus' name. I bless your family today in Jesus' name. And that's it for 2020. There's a moments of despair where greatness can arise. Whatever you've trapped, you've been caught in. Ascend. <laughs> Keep rising. Rise above it. Let faith arise in your heart today. Pour it out. Take some time to rest. Stop struggling. Allow the Lord to touch you this morning. We love you and look forward to seeing you next year. <laughs> Come on, let's worship one more time.